Hey, glad that you're here today. Uh, I said earlier that I'm almost done with the Gospels. I got like two more weeks this week and another week, so we're getting there slowly but surely. But let me remind you uh, of where we are in the Gospels. When we left last week, at this point, Jesus had had pretty much met with his disciples and he told them in advance, I need you to go to Galilee as soon as I'm crucified and buried, and I'll meet you there. And I'm going to raise again in three days. But they didn't go. They didn't go because they were afraid, because they had been associated with Jesus, and His body had disappeared after three days, and they figured everybody was coming out after Him to get Him. And they didn't really believe that He would raise from the dead until He showed up in front of their very own faces. And he said, I'm here, I'm hungry, let's eat. Fill the holes in my hand, fill the holes in my feet, fill the holes in my side. It took him a whole week to get all, all 11 of them there. Thomas was the last one. He was the last one to believe. But after a week, they ended up traveling to the Sea of Galilee. And they got there and they waited on him and Peter decides that he's going to go fishing. He's going to go back to his career that Jesus called him out of in the first place. Well, if Jesus isn't going to meet us here, I'm just going to go back to fishing. And he got in the boat, and they didn't catch anything all night long. Then Jesus appeared at the shore. They didn't know it was Jesus. And he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Oh, sure. Okay. They did that, and they pulled in an abundance of fish in their nets. The nets didn't tear, but there were how many fish? 153 fish. Still not sure what the significance of 153 is, but uh, I'm sure that Luke did. And Jesus says, hey, I've got breakfast already started for you guys. Bring some more of your fish up here, and we'll just eat together. Didn't give them a lecture. He fixed breakfast for them. Like, you guys went back out thinking that you were going to catch fish to sell fish to make a living because you needed money. Let me tell you one more time. I have provided for you for the last three years and I will continue to show you that I will provide for you here this morning. Just come on. I told you how to catch fish. I've already got fish frying. Let's just sit down for a chat. And so this is where we pick up this morning is we sit down and have this chat. And the chat begins with Peter. Peter being the one that Jesus had earlier, I believe in Matthew 16, and says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom, that's not keys to the church. But we know that Peter had a significant responsibility. Peter was the one who when Jesus said, hey, this is all getting ready to go down and you guys are going to scatter all over the place. Peter's like, not me. I'm staying right here with you. I won't leave you. I'll be here till the bitter end. I'll die with you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows in the morning. 
No way. And Peter denied him three times before the cock crowed. Yet, Peter was the very first disciple that Jesus reappeared to and came to after he was resurrected. Peter was an important person of the 11 or 12, however you want to label them. There's only 11 there, but they're referred to as the 11 and the 12. Peter was important to Jesus. It says in uh, John 21.15, that's where we'll start today. 21.15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them. You know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Now, two weeks ago, we were skiing and Luke was up here and did a marvelous job, by the way. And he talked about love. What does love have to do with it? And he described the different types of love in his message. If you haven't heard it, you need to go back and search it on YouTube. Listen to it. But here this morning, if you just read that passage like I did right there, you would think, what's the point? Jesus asked asked him three times, what's the point? Obviously, Peter's getting frustrated. And if you just read it, it's hard to comprehend it. But if you go back and look at it in the Greek text, sorry, you're going to see exactly what Luke was teaching, that there's two different words that are associated and synonyms for the word love. There's two words. Agape love actually means an unconditional love. That's the same love that a husband and wife have. For better or for worse. It is a choice that you make to love somebody unconditionally. Agape love. Then there's phileo love. Phileo love is brotherly love. You know, you get the city of Philadelphia. It's as you love a friend. That love is based more on feelings and circumstances. I would say that that is a conditional love. That love can change based upon your circumstances. So in this conversation right here, There's two different loves that are used. Let me read it to you again. He says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Son of John, do you love agape? Do you love unconditionally me more than these? He's looking at Peter and says, do you unconditionally love me more than the rest of these guys? You've already said that you do. Peter heard that 
And his response was, yes, he said to him, you know that I love phileo love. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus asked him, agape love, do you love me unconditionally? He's like, well, you already know that I love you conditionally. Based upon my circumstances, I, I failed. I failed. I denied you three times. Jesus asked him a personal question and all of a sudden there was brokenness in Peter. If you just read that, you don't see that. If you look at the two different loves, one said unconditionally and the other one said, I, I love you, but I love you conditionally. He says, I want you to feed my sheep. Feed, excuse me, feed my lambs, he said to him. Well, there's a difference between lamb and a sheep. A lamb is a newborn. He's like, I, I'm going to give you the responsibility, Peter, to, to take care of my new believers. Feed them milk. Young disciples. Peter had to have been encouraged by that. Wait, I, I just told you I, I don't love you like you asked me how you love me, but you're going to give me responsibility. Then Jesus a second time says, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love agape unconditionally me at all? Who cares about comparing yourself to the rest of the guys? But just simply, do you love me unconditionally? Peter, once again, he's, he's got the emotions just going. He's sitting there in front of all the guys and he says, yes, he said to him, you know that I love Phileo, love you. Conditionally. Twice. Peter is being broken right there in front of his Savior. And because he's chosen to be broken, he's humbling himself. He's literally humbling himself to the Lord. And Jesus says to him, shepherd my sheep. That means to encourage the flock. That means to encourage the church. That means to pastor my believers. My That's a little bit better responsibility than just feeding them milk. Now he's ramped it up. And then, in verse 17, he's asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love Phileo me? Jesus, every time he digressed in love. Do you love me here? Do you love me here? Do you love me here? Peter was grieved. Oh, that makes sense now. That all of a sudden makes sense. Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I, Phileo, love you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, feed my sheep. I want you to take the mature believers and I want you to disciple them. I want you to teach them the things that I have taught you. I'm giving you a bigger responsibility because now you're broken. 
now you have humbly said that you love me. Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to use you because of your brokenness. I'll tell you, let me get on a little soapbox right here, (laughs) is there is a difference between teachers and disciplers who lead out of brokenness. I, I obviously am looking at my friends here. And I think it's very clear for those of you that have been with us for a long time that we teach a different mindset of this gospel. Same gospel I've taught for all my life that I've studied and learned, but now I have a different mindset about it, and we teach a different mindset here. Jesus says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. My yoke is light, my burden is easy. Like, I'll do this for you. It's a totally different mindset. But I would... I, I think it would be a safe bet to say that most of the people came to the understanding of this mindset because of the brokenness in their life. That literally you had to go through a brokenness to get to this point of the understanding. That we were raised one way believing Go for it. Do it. Work hard. Get up at 6 a.m. Have your quiet time. Do this. Be the best for the Lord. But that didn't really work for you. And you came through a point of brokenness. And you probably came to a point where you said, I can't do this anymore. And Jesus said, good. Let me do it for you. I, I would guess that's where most of the people in this room are. Being broken hurts, but it definitely humbles. And humbleness leads to great leadership. This is what he's seeing in Peter. This is what he's seeing. He's seeing humbleness. And he's saying, I'm going to give you more re- responsibility. You see, our society has a tendency to throw the people out when they fail. And it's getting worse. As soon as you fail, you're done. You're out. Athletics, politics, churches, you name it. You mess up, you're done. Peter messed up. And he became broken. And because of his brokenness, Jesus says, now I can use you. May you know that when you fail, you're not done. You're not put aside. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You see, I'm okay with failure. I run to failure. (laughs) That's, that's, that's the best evangelism of it all. This is when you guys fail, it's like, hey, I'll do breakfast with you. Because now you have an ear to hear. Some choose to hear, some choose not to. 
I'll hang out with the person that chooses to hear, the person that's broken, the person that chooses home. I'll hang out with you all day long. I'd rather walk and follow a man who walks with a limp or a woman who walks with a limp than one who just walks upright on their own strength. I'll hang with you all day long. Because I think this is what Jesus is saying to Peter right here. He's like, You get it. You figure this out. You say, I, you can look at, I, I'm, I'm not being critical here, but you can look at leadership in churches and you can see whether it's about quantity or quality. I could care less about quantity. I'm glad you're here today. You know, if three people show up next week, I'm fine with that. L- really, I am. But I want you to figure out what the Spirit is saying right here in this word. I want to know. I want to know the leaders. I, there's some great leaders in this community. I want to know their journey. I want to know their heart. I want to know where they're coming from. That's listening at a whole different level. I don't care if they wrote a book. I don't care if they have multi-campuses. I, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to know who they are, what's their heart, what are they teaching, where they come from. Uh, I, I'll say this. I love going on the Mercy Me cruise as a speaker. Not because uh, I'm a big deal on stage, but because I, I literally, you get hundreds of people that don't hear this message every Sunday and you get to share this message. That's the whole reason I like going. It's kind of stupid. They have a book CD signing picture day, and I have to go to it, and here's my little table with my name on it, no books, no CDs, nothing. I just sit there like... It's kind of stupid, but... uh... It's all about the heart. It's about the message. It's about what you have the ability to teach. And I think Jesus is saying that to Peter. He says in verse 18, he says, Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. Peter, you're going to die for the gospel. What Jesus just said to Peter. Verse 19, he said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. If you don't know this, that follow me just says, hey, just come after Jesus. But what you have to know is this. This is a quote out of the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says the tradition is that he died, talking about Peter, he died a martyr at Rome about 67 A.D. When about 75 years old, Peter was 75 years old, his Lord and Master had predicted a violent death for him, which it is thought to come to pass by crucifixion under Nero. This is history books. 
It is said that at his own desire he was crucified head downward, feeling himself unworthy to resemble his master in his death. Jesus said, follow me. And Peter followed him all the way to the crucifixion. You see, John penned his gospel around the late 80s to early 90s A.D., meaning that Peter had already died when this was written. When John wrote this, and if that tradition is correct, the follow me was literally fulfilled for Peter who followed Jesus to the cross. Verse 20, it says, So Peter turned around and saw the disciples saw the disciple Jesus loved. Who's that? Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved. This is John writing about himself. The one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper that Jesus had called beloved and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? What about John? You get these disciples, they were just kids, right? Spirit, he had like breathed on them, but at this point the Spirit wasn't in them. And Jesus says this, this to Peter, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus looks at Peter and says, don't worry about him. You stay focused on your own walk, Peter. Quit watching men and follow me. Quit watching men and follow me. Quit waiting for me to teach you. Just follow Jesus. That's what he said to Peter. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. As John, he was the last one to survive. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would die, but if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? John closes his book, says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. John says, we know his testimony is true. I'm, I was there. Everything I'm writing to you happened. We know that the Spirit of God wrote this down through John. Watch what he says in 25. He says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. We know that about 75 to 80 days of Jesus' life here on earth was written down in the Gospels. Only 75 to 80 days of His life was written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's so much more that could have been written. I look at Matthew 28, 16. I'm going to jump around here real quick and get this last part. It's still good, Doug. 
verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Jump to 1 Corinthians 15.3 and you can see how the gospel, how Jesus presented Himself to each one of them. For I passed on to you, this is Paul writing, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Paul has written this letter to the Corinthians much later in 50, 60 AD. But he's literally saying at this point, no one has denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This for sure happened. Back to Matthew 28, 17, it says, When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Now, that's not all-inclusive. There's all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, but there's still, remember what we've talked about, Sheol and Hades, the underworld. Jesus is saying, I've got all authority right here on earth and I've got it in heaven. It's been given to me, Jesus. That's a big deal. Hang on. Hang on. Alright? Look at Mark sixteen fifteen. It says, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus says, I want you to preach to everybody and everything. Tell them what you have heard, what you have seen, what you know. Just tell them, tell them, tell them. Back to 28.19. Here we go. Breathe deep. It says, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. What is that passage right there referred to? The Great Commission. That's what pastors have labeled it. This is the Great Commission. Telling, telling them to disciple believers. And all of a sudden, as we teach this message, we say, go! With an exclamation point. We make it imperative. We, we make it an imperative verb is what we make it. But right here, he says, go therefore. You know what that is? That's a participle. And it means, as you go. He's not saying, go. He's like, hey, as you go, as you live your life, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you hang out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to baptize and disciple people. Just hang out. Teach them about me. You're going to cross paths all along your life, all along your journey where people need to hear 
the good news. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to... You don't, that's, that's another passage in Acts. He's literally saying, as you go, so breathe, relax. We're not trying to call you into the mission field here this morning. That mission field is probably sitting right next to you. I'm not going to try to manipulate you into going to full-time missions here this morning. I promise you. Mark 16.16 says this, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Oh, man. Uh, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. If you read, just as we've done throughout the reading of the Gospels, if you read this, it makes you sound like that water baptism is essential to salvation. But as we've studied this, we've literally found out that the word baptize has different definitions. And if it's actually water baptism here, then it messes up the rest of my gospel. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. So then I have to define, what is it? Is it water baptism? Is it spirit baptism? Because it talks about spirit baptism. Or it ta- talks about an identity baptism. Remember, they once were baptized by John the Baptist and they identified with what John the Baptist taught. Then they got re-baptized and they believed what Jesus taught, who Jesus was. I believe this has to do with identity. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. He says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Here we go, this, this is crazy. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new languages, they will pick up snakes. If they should drink in anything, if they should drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Is that saying that this is what we're going to be able to do? He's like, no, these things are going to happen. I would think that these things have happened. I'm just not going to go looking for them. I don't feel like I have to go handle snakes. I'm sure somebody's picked up a snake, got bitten by a snake and survived. You're going to see crazy things. I could sit here, they will speak in new languages, speaking in tongues. I have no problem with people speaking in tongues. I don't do it. Never felt like I've had to have that gift. I don't handle snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't go looking for trouble. I, I don't go... Messing with, I, look, I've got friends. I've got. I can give you plenty of stories about friends who have called demons out of people. I know it's a real deal. I believe it with all my. I believe. I'm just not going looking for that trouble. If it comes and I have to deal with it, you know, fine. So it happens. Jesus says you're going to see these things, and it, it's real. Go back to Matthew 28, 20. It says, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Everything that I have commanded you. Now watch this. 
And he says this at the end. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. <laughs> you don't, don't miss this. He says, the beginning of the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth. And then he gives the Great Commission, go and baptize and disciple. But watch what he says at the end. And lo, I am with you always. He says, Jesus says, I'm with you always. Who's with you right now? Jesus. Who has all the authority in heaven and earth? You have all the authority on heaven and earth with you right now. Put that together. So therefore, when you go, as you go, and you disciple and you baptize, what do you got? You got Jesus with all authority in heaven and on earth hanging out with you, doing it for you. And therefore, it's not based upon what you do, it's based upon what He does in you and through you. I don't need to count numbers. I don't need, I don't need any credit. I, I don't do the saving. I don't. It's Him that does it. When you leave this place, know that you leave with Jesus and you have all authority in heaven and earth. That will blow your mind. Father, uh, I trust Your Word today. I trust that what You have said, what You have taught to Peter, is absolutely true. That You've called us in our state of brokenness and humbleness, that You have taken up residence inside of us with all authority in heaven and on earth, that we can pursue You. That we can know You, that we can trust You, that we can just hang out with You, and You're going to do amazing things in this adventure as we walk this earth. Even here today, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm